The Boogie Monster with Kyle Kinane and Dave Stone. Contact the best authorities. Check on anything that seems to be extraordinary, no matter what it is. When you see something that's frightening, it looms large in the consciousness. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition. The Boogie Monster, podcasting the unknown. Like you had to be smart in one way to go to Harvard, mm-hmm. but you like it doesn't mean you can't be batshit crazy just because you went to Harvard. You know, it's true. <clears throat> like, oh, I, I went to Harvard for mathematics. Also, you know, the Earth is hollow. Well, like, like we we're saying in last week's episode. That we recorded. Oh, did you start already? Yes. Yeah, oh, I thought we were just talking. Okay. Nah. Ah. I got you. But like, if you, if you like, you could be smart and be batshit crazy. So like, when of you course. see, like, if we see a researcher, like, oh, Harvard scientists believe that the Earth could be hollow. I mean, the when the Unabomber, the highly educated, yeah, Harvard he's a man, smart dude, Ted Kaczynski. Yeah, just because you got brains doesn't mean you're morally centered, mm-hmm. or 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 you know a centered human being. Or, Sometimes quite the opposite. Or just because you dumb as shit, don't mean you ain't a good dude. Yeah, don't mean you ain't got a heart in there. That's right. I feel bad that I use that accent every time I depict someone of lesser intelligence, and I apologize to you, Dave. I use it too. So that's I understand. Don't matter. What's up, dude? Oh, man. So much has happened since last week. How you been? Oh, boy. <laughs> I wonder. I was, when we record these episodes, I was thinking of the movie uh, L.A. Story with Steve Martin. You ever uh-huh. seen it? Yeah. <clears throat> when he records the weather for the weekend ahead of time. He's like, what? The weather never changes. What's, what's going to happen? It's always sunny. And then there's a storm. And yeah. the guy lost his... And Woody Harrelson's his boss, and he lost his boat. Like, well, who fucking lost their boat? I did. And he got fired being a weatherman. Is that uh, Sarah Jessica Parker? In yeah. There? I love the, the weather. We got... What do we got? We got Dallas Rains and Lance... Not Lance Mountain. Johnny Mountain. Lance Mountain is the skateboarder. Oh, yeah? Hmm. Dallas Rains and... He's the local guy? Yeah. Yeah. And like Stormy Mountain or something, like just some handles. Yeah. Like these tan, smiley, like yeah, like that's who I want a weather person to be. I want them to be like these dudes that did a lot of coke in the late seventies, early eighties, <laughs> and just like love life, like just drive convertibles. Ah, oh, these. I want party and weather people. I want party meteorologists. Man, some of those. Uh, who's the one that made all the viral buzz? Recently, the 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 Mexican lady, oh. one Mexican lady, just she had a big uh, ooh, big boy. ass, yeah, just real nice. And, She's uh, a, a, a a bottom bottom plenty gal, bottom plenty. I don't know. Nah. Well, that well, I mean, that's the Mexican television. They know what they're giving to you. Yeah, <clears throat> that's you know the old joke. You don't know what's going on, but you're watching. There's a guy with bad, like, fake glasses on. Clown makeup. Yeah. Clown makeup or a classic nerd, like, greased hair over and dorky makeup. And then a voluptuous woman. And, like, I'm watching Sabado Gigante again. Yeah. Which means Big Saturday. Uh Uh-huh. Well, Dave. What's up, dude? This is the Boogie Monster. Yeah. In case you weren't sure. And I'm Kyle and you're Dave. 
Okay. Let me write all this down. You got well. You got a (laughs) you got a big night tonight. Oh, I'm excited. You're going to Ruth's. Chris. Chris belongs to Ruth. Uh huh. Who's Chris? Ruth's Chris. Uh huh. Steakhouse. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy. uh, I don't know, like Carl's Junior. Who's Junior? Carl's Junior. Exactly. Carl's Junior's Ruth. Ruth Carl's Junior's Chris Steakhouse. Friend. uh, Our friend Lisa Best is taking me and old Ryan Singer out. Yeah, she's uh, she had a string of good luck recently. She's she's had some success in her career, and she said, "I want to celebrate. I'm going to take you out and buy you a damn steak." Good on her. So I said, "All right, let's do it." She's writing for a show called Those Who Can't, which I'm on. And so. by the way, she told me to relay a message to you. Uh, she just wrote uh, an episode by herself. I think that's how they do it. They they you write yeah I think they you collect- write it and then you bring it in and everybody yeah. kind of helps punch it up exactly. So <laughs> she was assigned. I forgot which episode in the season it was. But she said, tell Kyle that I apologize in advance for all the crazy oh. shit that I'm going to make him do in this episode. Man. She's got you doing some real antics. You're really getting into some stuff. I had, to do a, I had to run naked. They film at Van Nuys High School. Mm-hmm. And I had to run naked. Which is which, where... Um, which is where Fast Times at Ridgemont High was. That's cool. Yeah. I got to hang out on the very bleachers where Vic Damone, you know, was like... The charisma of Robin Zander, you know, gave a speech like yeah. a speech about cheap trick. You got to hang out in those very bleachers. That was a, a, a cool thing. That's because cool. we both discussed. We both get excited when you still see showbiz stuff. Right oh yeah, now. I, I still get excited. And uh, so yeah, and then I just all you do like when you're naked, you have to put something. You have to cover your junk. But the thing they gave to cover my junk, it just looks like like a gift bag you'd put a wine bottle in. Okay. With a string, like a, like a crown royal bag. Yeah. Okay. And then a piece of string that goes around your waist, and you put your junk in the crown royal bag, which did not stay on. So at one point, I was just running nude down a high school hallway, which is a felony. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you? In the name of art. Did you have to wear a similar uh, get up in uh, love? When yeah. You, when a, you're getting a, it on with that gal. That's a higher quality yeah. junk bag. It's one of the funniest. I'm not just saying this because you're my buddy. It's one of the funniest lines I've seen in a TV show in a long time. When you're having oh, sex, the, oh, the gods! I warrior. am God's warrior. Yes, <laughs> that's supposed to be foreshadowing because my character got in, got religious in the two episodes I was on. But yeah, it just looked like a gopher trap. It just looked like something. <laughs> it just looked like some sort of bag you're supposed to put like a little bit of old cheese at the end of. Uh, and when and when you got a rodent sniffing around, you cinch the end of it, and that's all it is. That's what happens there. <laughs> oh man, that's good. So uh, uh, well, that's so that's coming up. Yeah, season three of those who can't go on Lisa Best for you taking taking you out for a steak at Ruth's. Yeah, Chris. they go, do a good job there. Man, uh, it's a chain, but it's it's a chain, but it's like it's not a chain. Like it's a chain, but like well, some, the quality some is not are chains a, for a reason. Yeah, like you're doing a good thing. Put yeah. it out in the world. Really high end stuff. Uh, man, Fourth of, Fourth of July we went there. Oh yeah, that's Where right. Yeah, I remember that. It's tasty, that. man. Man, I love it. They do it, man. They put it in the they they cook their steak in like a eighteen hundred degree <clears throat> broiler and just oh, a sizzling plate and just put the butter Where's on Bruce it. Where's Chris out here? Where? Uh, Pasadena. Oh, out in the diner. Yeah, you know, a classy night out in the diner. Yeah, going to Pasadena could get me. Uh, probably gonna go with a ribeye. Right, what do you get when you go to a, when it's oh. like tonight? I money is no <clears throat> concern. Oh, I'm throwing okay. down. I'm gonna get a crazy steak. If what? I'm if I'm treating myself to a, a steak, if I'm having a steak eating night, mm, I, I mean 
it's not the the size, but the cut. Mm-hmm. I mean, filet mignon. How are yeah. you gonna go wrong with a filet? Yeah, filet's great. Filet's great. My only the only reason I don't get filet, and I love a filet. I love the it's it's the most flavorful. I think. Yeah. Uh, of of the steak of the cuts, but uh, I got to have some of that fat. I got to get that fat. I agree. I agree. That the ribeye offers. Ribeye. Oh, it's always like a New York strip. Steak. New York strip's good too. Um, kind of grisly last time I had it, but hey, if you eat around a gristle. New York Strip has like a strip of fat, no mm-hmm. pun intended, uh, you know, kind of on the outer edge, whereas the ribeye, the was fat that is why it's marble. That? Why is it called New York Strip steak? Because I, I think the steak itself is more of a strip. Oh, okay. Um, but I like the fact that the uh, ribeye has the fat kind of marbled throughout. Mm. I want to know who's getting the ground chuck steak when they go out. <laughs> <laughs> when I worked who's, who's at Longhorn, who's getting just the hamburger patty? We used to sell hamburger steak. <coughs> hamburger steak was very popular. Really? At Longhorn, it's just a hamburger patty. Yeah, probably a slightly higher grade of beef, but probably not. But it was a hamburger patty. But we would put sautéed mushrooms and onions on it, so that that's what made it more than just a hamburger patty. I would put sautéed mushrooms and onions on my own foot and eat it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's oh, oh. I eat that. I eat the topping as a meal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I love it. I love sautéed onions. But yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I would assume I've been to Ruth's Chris probably five or six times in my life, and I can't think of a time where I've been to a fancier uh, steak place. I mean, there are. Yeah, but that's my point. I would. I've never been in a position where I can go and just drop two hundred dollars on a steak. I've never. I don't think I've ever been. In that place. You can do that. There's a place in Atlanta. It's got named, uh, I think, Wall Street Journal or New York Times or something, named it the best steakhouse in America one year. Ooh, it's well. called called Bones. And Bones, you can go and drop like 200 bucks just on the steak. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, I've had good steaks, but I've never – could you taste $200? You could, can t- well, you're eating something – be like, yeah. Well, put it this way, you know, a ribeye at Roos Chris is fifty-five bucks, give or take. You can definitely taste that mm-hmm. over a, an eighteen-dollar Outback Steakhouse ribeye. You can taste that difference, big but time. But at what point is it diminishing returns? I don't know. Like, what are they doing to that cow? Is that like, <clears throat> is that the wagyu or what is the beef? Where yeah, like, there's there's Kobe, there's they, yeah. <laughs> I was at uh, yeah, what's that stories at night? It's that fancy farmers market over here in West Hollywood uh, near the Grove. Um, it's just uh, maybe it's just called farmers the farm. It, yeah, the one called, at the Grove. Yeah, it's it's, 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 it's a permanent it's, one. Yeah, it's called the farmers market, but it's yeah. not a farmers market. It's more of a kind of a food court indoor type thing. Anyway, they had a butcher shop over there. I was over there last Christmas, and they had some I think uh, wagyu or Kobe Kobe or something, but it was like 140 bucks a pound. Like you know, they, in the butcher case, they got all the you know, New want, York Strip, twenty bucks a pound. Test. I yeah. want someone sitting blindfolded and telling like this, that, and, they, and to know the difference. Yeah, I mm. couldn't sort out Mr. Pibb from Dr. Pepper, so I want <laughs> I want somebody sitting there telling me this one's one hundred forty bucks a pound, this one's eight bucks a pound. Mm. I want to know. <clears throat> I feel like taste tests are the end all be all proving ground. Speaking of uh, speaking the, of which, the the market rate of beef. Have I complained about um, Jack Link's beef jerky? I saw it the other day. They got the one pounder bag. You know, every now and then you in the store, you got the one, get the one pounder. Have I complained about Jack Link's beef jerky yet? 
I want. I'm challenging you to say something more on brand in the next hour. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to come up with a more expected statement. Then, if I complain about Jack Link's beef jerky yet, twenty two dollars a pound for beef jerky, filet mignon in the grocery stores eighteen ninety nine a pound. But they haven't jerkied it yet. <laughs> yeah, they haven't made it hard and dry and brittle. Ugh. I don't dislike beef jerky, but $22 a pound for a bag of Jack Link. Kiss my ass. Is Jack Link's better jerky than other jerkies? Who knows, but I'm sure the other ones are right up there. You ever you, been to Alien Fresh Jerky, the place in Baker between here and Vegas? No, I've seen, I remember seeing the, the hand-painted billboards. Yeah, we finally stopped there last fall. My buddy and I were doing uh, off-road in, in Mojave. We're like, we'll just we won't bring any hot food. We'll just eat jerky all night. We're just in the desert, Ugh. just so full of jerky. Like I, I can't. Like all our teeth were at least five millimeters apart from one another. Yeah. from how much jerky was jammed in between. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a it's like, a lot of effort. Like, we're gonna die out here, and the vultures are gonna eat the jerky out of our teeth before they eat our bodies because it's it's better seasoned, <laughs> and, there's, and, and there's ample amounts of it. Crammed between our, our bicuspids. Oh God! Well, you got you got a steak coming up tonight. Yeah. yeah, I'm already thinking about. I know what steak I'm getting now. I gotta I gotta mentally prepare myself for the sides. Thinking about those sides. Uh, they have a good scallop potato. Scallop potato. Like scallop potato. A steakhouse is always gonna. I always lose money on the sides because I'll get. I love to slice tomato. Mm-hmm. That's that's nothing. Yeah. Maybe not a steakhouse side, but at a restaurant, I'll order a sliced tomato. Mm-hmm. I love, yeah, love sliced tomato. I can't scallop potatoes. Scallop potato, maybe a cream spinach. They do that a at Green Rooster's. vegetable, yeah. yeah. And then they also do a lobster mac and cheese. That seemed like everybody went ape shit mm-hmm. with lobster mac and cheese. And I get it. I'm like, yeah, it's all right. I don't mind it. I mean, I don't mind it, but I don't think like you could do other stuff to mac and cheese. Lobster. I like I like lobster meat though. It's good stuff. Yeah, I like it so much. Why are you fucking white trashing it? <laughs> why are you you know? Yeah. Why are you putting a fucking limp biscuit T-shirt on the prom queen? Don't go doing that. <laughs> go let her be beautiful by herself. Oh man! Don't don't trash her up. Speaking of uh, food, no shit. <laughs> Had some nice Indian food the other day. Went to went to the old Indian buffet. You got a problem with that Indian buffet? What do you mean? You, I could stop anytime I want. <laughs> well, no, no, that was a, oh yeah, that's when you disappeared from. The, we were at a show and you're like, I gotta eat something. That was a couple. I saw you an hour later. Like, hey, I got Indian place across the street. It's good. Yeah, I was on the prowl that night looking for some food. Yeah, we were at a show and I hadn't eaten all day. I know that's hard to believe. You've been but, Irish uh, goodbying, <laughs> but for food instead of drinking. I did. I've done that at least two or three times I, recently I to you. Been, <laughs> I gotta go eat some corned beef. Goodbye. <laughs> Here's my problem with Indian restaurants. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Just goes off on a racist tirade. No. Well, that's not where I expected. Not that to love eat. Indian people. Love Indian food. Uh, big fan of the buffet. Mm-hmm. But usually, it's typically just for lunch. Yeah. Depending on where you go. 11A to 230P is the standard okay. window there. Yeah. Unless you're going to India's restaurant on Fountain, 
They go till 3 p.m. Okay. So if I sleep late, I'll hit that one up. Oh, man, love Indian food. Anyway, but I I was thinking about this that night that I – Tiki Masala goodbye to you. Um, and I went and I... Oh, I was trying to come up with a thing. I love it. By the way, speaking of that scenario, it was... What a pleasant surprise. Like, I hadn't set out. I didn't set out to get Indian food. I just was walking, and I was like, ah, oh, yes. You stumbled across. Stumbled across. Impulse Indian food. is always fun. And it was good. And I sat down. I had... Uh, I think I got the uh, paneer masala mm-hmm. of the cheese. But, um, man, Indian restaurants for dinner... When we're outside of the buffet window, why not offer like a combo plate where I could get a half portion of two entrees? For example, you go to a Mexican restaurant; and they'll always offer the two or three item combo. You know, they just give you a list of about six or seven. You know, pick a taco, a burrito, like enchilada. Yeah, yeah. You want Express. A combo. I want a combo at an Indian restaurant because when I got the paneer masala, I was very happy with it. But I also wanted like the bende bhaji or the. The chicken tikka masala. Like, let me for, let me you pay. Got spoiled by that buffet is what happened. That's exactly what happened. You found out how many flavors are out there. Yes. And now you want it all. I want it all. Oh, and you know what I had the other day? First time I ever had a coconut fish. It was uh, Ooh, right. it was a coconut curry. that was green. At first I thought it was the sag paneer. Yeah. Thought it was the cream spinach stuff. But it was this coconut curry. that was green, and then they had like really nice tender pieces of some sort of white fish. And it was so delicious, and uh, so uh, that's the beauty of the buffet is you you can take a chance oh, on an entree that you may not want to pay thirteen bucks for. I know. Well, maybe somebody, maybe a listener has a suggestion, especially mm-hmm. in the Los Angeles area or any upcoming tour dates mm-hmm. for Dave, where he can enjoy multitudes mm-hmm. of Indian flavors for dinner. I got it covered <laughs> for dinner. I got it covered at lunch with a buffet. What for dinner? <laughs> but for dinner. But seriously, you know, thirteen bucks. Pick uh, two uh, two of these entrees out of this list of eight, and we'll throw in some rice and some naan. Boom, there you go. That's that's all you need. What if I became an Indian restaurant consultant? Look, I don't know nothing about your culture or your I food. Think you're just a food consultant as it is right yeah. now. I think that's become a large part of this podcast is, is uh, throwing a two cents out there. Yeah, about the way a lot of stuff should be handled. Yeah. Got hard opinions on food, man. I understand. Well, so anyway. it's, it's part of your life. You know? So, what else is going on with you, man? Oh, shit, I don't know. Well, this will come out twenty fourth. Was that of April? <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not real. It is real. No, it's the I can't. Well, it is. I it's don't the know. Eleventh. Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> It's real. I like how much you want to keep up the idea that we're recording these week to week. Well, we should be doing that. Someone's going to come. There's going to be a major event. <laughs> like Trump fired Steve Bannon today. Oh, now, yeah. In three weeks, there may be no Earth left, let alone a hollow Earth. Do you know anything about that? I just saw the headline. You just shit on my transition. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, you're right. You're right. You got me excited about the Steve Bannon firing. No, but yeah, he got fired. Okay. <clears throat> and so it'll be interesting to know what the follow-up will be today mm-hmm. on the 24th. Yeah. I think I'm still – I think I'm out of town. When I realized we didn't plug date. Now I'm just talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> that fuck, man. Now I'm just talking to you. Hate when that happens. Oh no, this will come out the twenty fifth. Twenty fifth, which means I just got back. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
I don't know where the fuck I'm going to be for stuff. All right. Uh, whatever, man. This is what was... happened. This happened when we keep, when we try to figure out time. Mm-hmm. We're the dumbest idiots <laughs> trying to figure out the smartest topics. We're That's the charm of the boogie monster. in a basement <laughs> going, let us tell you about how the earth might be hollow. Let's talk about time travel, yet we can't record an episode two weeks in advance without figuring out what the fuck's going on. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, hey, 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 you, you either, uh, hey, love it or leave it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <That's, laughs> uh, yeah, nothing's going on with me. I'm not going to Ruth's Chris. I'm having a, a hard time being fucking with vegetarianism mm-hmm. when there's so many good meats. And I wonder if I've just been a trained individual. Oh, that was another conspiracy I wanted to talk about. I forgot. Shit. Anyway, sorry. It was something that inspired me about what we're already talking about, about Flat Earth and about how ancient flying machines are depicted in uh, hieroglyphics and mm-hmm. ancient artwork that may have uh, that might play into the ancient alien idea that they are from inside the Earth. Instead of from uh, <clears throat> visiting areas, get it out. They've got an exhaust problem. Mm-hmm. They've got it's all this Lacroix. They've got a new performance muffler. It's called <laughs> Lacroix. <laughs> Makes it sound like a race car. Can't get enough make, of this pomplamoose. Make, make any car sound <laughs> like a race car. Um. So last week we we were uh, we cliff hung. Sure. Yeah. Uh, about the Hollow Earth theory mm-hmm. and Richard Bird's, mm-hmm. old Dickie Bird's alleged <clears throat> flight into the Hollow Earth. And to catch you up, it's not necessarily that the whole Earth is hollow like a faulty Cadbury cream egg. <laughs> which, happy Easter, which would have been the day before this. Huh. Or the week before. Again, let's not think we know how calendars work. Um, but th- that it's it's a it's a another layer inside the Earth mm-hmm. where people would exist, not just hollow, and then they're walking on the opposite side of the Earth's yeah. crust that we're on. Yeah, but an Earth within the Earth, a world inside a world. Yeah, mm. and we were talking about old Dickie Bird and uh, 1947. Yeah, he stumbled upon. What many believe, if you believe in the hollow earth theory, then you believe that the earth, the uh, the land within inside that earth is uh, referred to as Agartha. Agartha. So he stumbled upon Agartha. Mm-hmm. All right. But before we get back into Richard Byrd, because I, I do have some more of his journal that I want to get to, um, he wasn't the first one to kind of stumble upon some of this stuff. Okay. It, uh, in, in a lot of the Buddhists believe and the hollow earth. They believe that there was a society of people who live in the center of the earth and um, a place called Shambhala. That's the capital of the society. They believe that there's Shambhala is what the, uh, (coughs) what the Buddhists believe lies within the earth. And uh, they think there's just millions, not just a few, but millions of inhabitants, several different cities. And uh, the master of this world, uh, I forgot what they refer to him as, but there's a master in Shambhala, and apparently he gives orders to the Dalai Lama. 
who serves as the terrestrial representative of Shambhala. That's weird. I thought there was no god with Buddhism. Well, no one's saying this guy's a god, but he's just the master. All right. So. He's just the boss. I would like to talk to the Dalai Lama about that. I wonder if, uh, yeah, apparently. The Dalai Lama's brother lives in Bloomington, Indiana. What? Yeah. Is he? <laughs> you hear that? Hanging out at the comedy attic? Yeah, yeah. Who won't book me? Ron Lama. Ron Lama. <laughs> Is that really his name? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Old Ron Lama, you can catch him. They give him free tickets at the comedy attic. Oh, that's funny. Not a big laugher, but you can tell he's appreciative of the show. But is he? He really lives in Bloomington. There's there's a huge Buddhist temple right outside there. Somebody's saying that yeah, like it's the Dalai Lama's brother. Oh man! It. Now we were talking last week about uh, there's apparently two main entrances and exits to. Agartha, and that's the North and South Pole. But apparently there's a few others scattered around our terrestrial globe. Uh, Laza is the capital of Tibet. They say there's a tunnel in somewhere in Laza okay. that connects Earth to Agartha. That's crazy. They think there's a similar tunnel that connects the pyramids of Giza to Ar- Agartha. I keep wanting to say Argatha. Agartha. Pyramids of Giza. So... <laughs> I mean, I know it's old, but that pyramid's a geezer. How about that? Who? Hey, how did that old Englishman get in the studio? Oh, you're so stupid. <laughs> and it's not just the Buddhist. It's, uh, and, and there's... <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on Hindu culture. Well... Or the Hindu religion. <laughs> But apparently, uh, Dave draws the line yeah. where he's going to pretend to be an expert. I, I know you think I know what's <laughs> up with the Hindu, um, but uh, apparently there's some Hindu religious texts that make reference to Agartha. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that right now. So, Hindu, Buddhist, they're uh, they know what's up. They know what's going on with Agartha. Now, way back yonder in 1829, there was a dude named uh, Olaf Jansen. Olaf Jansen was a was a young lad in nineteen in eighteen twenty nine. He was a nineteen year old lad. Uh, him and his father every year would go out on this pretty extensive fishing voyage, like months long. Mm-hmm. So every year, as uh, Olaf was growing up, him and old pops would go out mm-hmm. on these crazy two or three month long fishing uh, journeys. And they were uh, they lived in Stockholm. Which is uh, Sweden? Yeah, I was going to make a joke about you know saying it was from a different country because that's funny, like in Dumb and Dumber when he's like uh, um, Aspen, he's like ah California. Yeah, that's a long way to get to that. (laughs) Sorry about that. Anyway, Olaf Jansen, eighteen twenty nine. He's in Stockholm. Him and Pop set out on their annual fishing venture. They 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 sail north to uh, Franz Joseph Land. Franz Josephland. Franz Josephland. Yeah, that's where they would head up to, <laughs> north of Sweden, and uh, they sailed for a few months, and they just kept going north. They were like, "Hey, we're in Franz Josephland now. Let's keep going. See what we get into. See how the see how the fish are biting north of here." This, up, is, this up, is in nineteen when eighteen twenty nine. Eighteen twenty nine. Eighteen twenty nine. So they set off on their annual fishing voyage to Franz Josephland, and after a few months of sailing northward. 
they stumble upon the shores of a mighty river. Now, they're, they're pretty sure that they've been traveling north this whole time, so they think that they're getting somewhere in and around the North Pole. All right. And much like old Dickie Bird looking down and seeing a lush green field, yeah. they stumble upon the shores of a giant river, and they, keep, uh, they take this river a few more days, and then they stumble upon another just just a green just a green lush forest trees all bushes right. all kind of stuff going on and uh they run across this giant ship all right and this is 1829 and they're in a little fishing vessel and they say it's the the biggest ship they've ever seen and the ship stops and six giant blonde-haired dudes pop out 10 right. to 12 feet tall not unlike who Richard Bird met. Okay. And uh, they meet these giant dudes, and these giant dudes, they take them into this uh, underground network of tunnels and caverns, and uh, Olaf and Pops just live in this in this area for two years. Uh, no, I don't get That's it? Just go? Okay. They didn't, they didn't uh, send word back home to the missus, but uh, they just decided to live with these giant dudes uh, in, the earth, in the Earth's surface, in the Earth's crust, rather, uh, beneath the Earth's crust. That's what I'm trying to say, and uh, yeah, and then there's a there was a book written about it. Um, who's the dude that wrote this book? William George Emerson. He wrote a book called Smoky God, and uh, a lot of people think that it's pure fiction, but he claims that he wrote the book, wrote the story based on true accounts from this Olaf Jansen. Olaf told him. I don't know if he told him directly. <laughs> I feel like somebody's like. Like adventurers and travelers, like it does lend itself to, leave, to the blowhard. Leave something, yeah, yeah. You just want to leave something behind. Yeah, I didn't spend my whole <laughs> life wandering around in a canoe for yeah. nothing. Let me leave. Like folklore <laughs> is just that; it's story passed down. You know, of in the you know the monsters get bigger and the night gets darker, and, and you know, all these stories. But I still want to subscribe to the ancient aliens. I still feel like when you see these etchings and things of flying machines that mm-hmm. uh, civilizations from thousands of years ago have etched into temples, I'm like, all right. I'm still going with the alien thing. Are they inside? The, like, that was one of the disproving theories that I felt like, like seismology would prove that there's, not, that there's something that down. People who don't believe in UFOs, how do they uh, – what do they say about these – Hieroglyphics that clearly that looks like a flying well, vessel. Come up with anything. Well, people uh, two thousand years ago they saw a bird, so they drew wings on a guy or something. <laughs> you know, they just come up with whatever they. You know, it, it's easy to it's. Well, perhaps it's easy to disprove all this stuff. It's uh-huh. much harder to prove it, and that's the impetus of this whole podcast. Is like, well, we don't know all the science, so let's discuss it and try to prove it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. The one it's in, like the seismology, like that wouldn't the math on that wouldn't work if there was something existing under the Earth's crust that that wouldn't work out. Um, also, yeah, I wonder how earthquakes would affect you know if this world is like how many does it have any measurements like theor- theoretically how deep it would be I found well, something but my computer's not loading real good down here. Yeah, uh, we were talking last week about uh the basic structure of the earth. 
about the uh, the crust and the inner core and the outer core and the mantle and whatnot. Mm. Some people think that uh, that mantle, once you get below the Earth's crust, that it's uh, between 800 and 2,000 miles that you've got to penetrate that mantle to get to that uh, outer core. So that's, that's, what about the furthest down somebody's drilled into the Earth? I think yeah. I looked that up recently, and I can't. Uh, I didn't write it down, so there goes that piece of information. <clears throat> well, this is... The- <clears throat> I found this. This is the the scientists that the Harvard scientists allegedly I believe they identified a sign that only part of the Earth melted and an ancient part still exists within the Earth's mantle, meaning that when whatever crashed into the Earth that created the Moon. Uh, current favorite theory says is an article from Mission Galactic Freedom. WordPress. Com. So okay. That uh, the moon was formed 4.5 billion years ago and the Earth collided with a Mars sized mass, which has been given the name Thea. All right. According to this theory, the heat generated by the collision would have caused the whole planet to melt before some of the debris cooled off and spun off to create the moon. <clears throat> whole melty planet. According to the lead researcher, Associate professor. All right, associate professor. Sujoy Mukapadeyai. That's fuck mm-hmm. I written. Uh, the energy released by the impact between the Earth and Thea would have been huge, certainly enough to melt the whole planet. But if it's melt, so it's just a glob. I guess. A hot glob. But we believe that the impact energy was not evenly distributed throughout a, throughout the ancient Earth. This means that a, a major part of the impacted hemisphere would probably have been completely vaporized, but the opposite hemisphere would have been partly shield, shielded and would have not undergone complete melting. So one side of the marble melts and reforms, but the other one is okay. <clears throat> I mean, uh, I'm just reading an article here. Yeah. Could be an ancient. Earth. Just saying, throughout this could uh, prove that there's an ancient Earth, hmm. an older, older part of the Earth. Yeah, and this we is we don't know about. This is not, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's not some random or new theory. I mean, there's smart dudes throughout history. Yeah, these are a lot of who have. Uh, Leonard Euler, who's a mathematical genius of the 18th century, he concluded that the Earth was hollow, containing a central sun. And was inhabited. This dude was a mathematical genius. He says it's legit. Dr. Edmund Haley. Is it Holly or Haley? Haley's Comet? Sa- same Haley. dude. I said Haley. Haley's Comet. I've heard some. Maybe it's the accent. Maybe some British dude called him Holly. Uh, Dr. Edmund Haley of Haley's Comet fame. Uh, he was a royal astronomer of England. He believed that the Earth was hollow and the inside had three different floors. So. A lot of folks. <clears throat> These are scientists saying they think they've uh, found uh, evidence of a water reservoir beneath Eastern Asia that is at least the volume of the Arctic Ocean. So that's not saying that people live there, but that is that it is something other than rock or molten. Mm-hmm. This is they're saying seismologists at Washington University in St. Louis noticed a region beneath Asia where seismic waves appeared to dampen or attenuate and also slow down slightly. Lots of damping and, and a little slowing match the predictions for water very well. So, 
is this Agartha or is this what Atlantis is? That's a great question, too. A lot of people think that uh, maybe one and the same. Because we, we still have no idea where Atlantis was or is, correct? Like, to my knowledge... Yeah, it's just this theory that there's an underwater city. <clears throat> Again, all these places that you can't explore, mm-hmm. that human beings can't get to, lend itself to any story you want to put there because it can't be proven or disproven. Yeah, yeah. We don't know what's in the ocean? Logan Secret Society. Secret world. <laughs> what's out in space? Like aliens. What happens after we die? Ghosts. Like, you can just... These all come from the unexplained realm beyond... What we can conceive. Mm-hmm. So, like everything else, I believe, yeah, what's, it, what's all the way in the woods? Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I, I'm, these might be one and the same. The idea of Atlantis. This how, what else on Hollow Earth has you is tickling your balls? <laughs> like, what else has got you... Well, we'll get to. I want to read some more from the journal of uh, Old Dick Bird. Okay, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, as is the case with so many uh, of these seemingly crazy theories, uh, there's usually uh, most of them. There's a Nazi component. Nazis tie into so many different crazy conspiracy theories. The best villains. Carl Unger. He was a Nazi. He was a German sailor. He's part of the 1943. Uh, what do they call that? The uh, I can't read my own handwriting. The SS? <clears throat> oh, U-boat. It's part of the 1943 U-boat expedition. They went to the South Pole. U-boat yourself. Yeah, U-boat. My boat, U-boat. <clears throat> Underboats. Bunch of Carl Unger and a bunch of Nazis, German soldiers. They went down on a submarine. Mm-hmm. And we're going to check out the South Pole, see what's going on down there. Side note, some people think that they found... An entrance. Well, let me finish this first before I start talking Double about that. Double side note, New Fast and Furious has a submarine. Nice. The submarine apparently entered Hollow Earth through an underwater passageway, and Unger and the entire crew were greeted by an advanced civilization in a place called Rainbow Island. Hey. It's just... <laughs> Who called it Rainbow Island? Maybe, maybe that advanced civilization. The Nazis? Civilization. They were like, hey, welcome to Rainbow Island. The Paradise on Rainbow Island. Oh man! Um, <laughs> but there's one crazy theory. <laughs> Go ahead, finish it. Adolf, you are not going to believe this, but we have found the earthly paradise of the perfect race. Uh, da, where is this Rainbow Island? Oh, it's going to make a West Hollywood joke, but. So many homosexuals! What the one downfall? Un caveat, Adolf! Many, many gays. Oh, uh, have you seen those viral things of. I don't know what movie it is, but it's from some movie scene of, of Hitler, and he's in the room with all his higher ups, and then he just loses his shit. Oh, that was from. Uh... And then there's so many versions now with the subtitles. People just the subtitles yeah. can be about whatever. Whatever, yeah. Whatever. Hitler losing his shit about the new such and such. Is that uh, the? Well, I, was know, I know the movie. I'm tired. It was the, the, the Brad Pitt 
Bear hunting Nazis. No, not that. Was it that movie? Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah, I guess it was that movie, The uh, Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. Anyway, uh, what I was saying is there's one theory, and this is a whole different can of worms, but, uh, you know, the the conspiracy theory that Hitler didn't kill himself in the bunker, that uh, he's still alive or he was alive for many years after the war. Uh, They think they were scoping out Antarctica as kind of a secret Either they were going to make it a, a Nazi base or a bunker to for everybody to go to once the war inevitably came to an end. So, I mean, you. I mean, okay. So we had somebody building a house for him in Malibu, mm-hmm. which we talked about, right? A little bit, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, the the American Nazi Party, or whatever. The sympathizers here. <laughs> oh, like, nah, he's probably going to want Malibu or Antarctica. Like, I love the idea. Like, you sure, Adolf? We've been building you beautiful uh, beachfront paradise. Are you going to you going to Antarctica? Oh, okay. All right. Then I guess. Oh, we're going to wake up with uh, all these acreage up on a hill. <laughs> uh, but let's think about this for a minute. We're talking about all these supposed facts and whatnot. Reynolds but live next door? Imagine how cra- – like, this is one of the craziest – Topics we've stumbled upon. Like, uh, just imagine, suspend disbelief. Imagine that it's legit. There's a whole nother society and Earth, not in outer space, not on another planet, but inside of the planet we're on right now. That's insane. Yes. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> this is why it's not real. <laughs> Imagine if it's real. That's crazy. Yes, which means it's not real. I mean, what if it is? Well, I mean, there's societies. I mean, I think I still saying there's still unexplored societies in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. I, I I like the, the just the narrative that you could put Nazis in anything. Like I was saying before, like World War II provided the human race. With a narrative for anything, they give you the best evil in unexplored territories. Well, of course, he's evil. I like all the stuff that's coming out now. That help. Hitler was just a huge coke and meth head. Yeah, like he's a speed freak. And then you go back and analyze the behavior. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> like there was charismatic speeches and his ideas that got crazier. Because if you've ever done coke or speed, like your small idea by five a.m., you know. Just becomes like, oh fucking yeah, let's kill them all. Like, like not that's not everybody, but your exaggerated idea. Mm-hmm. Which when you come down, you're like, man, we were talking some crazy bullshit. We were all gonna start bands. We we're all <laughs> gonna be in each other's bands, and we're gonna have a music festival just of our bands. That was Hitler being a speed freak and a fucking villain. Mm. You put meth on top of being a villain, you have a super villain. And then there was also that theory that came out uh, not long ago that uh, they had evidence that he had a micro penis. Hear about that? Oh yeah. Well, what's how is that? that ex- how is a lot. there any evidence? Well, I mean, man, doctors' you records, could, you birth could records. You say anything uh, you want about yeah, Hitler. Yeah. To just because he it, like he is the the villain. That would explain his bitterness. The villain. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Oh, Bronger had a joke, and I know it's, you know, like, this is from years ago, but it was just, you know, he was going to be a painter, 
Uh-huh. That was somebody else was saying, this is why you need to support the arts. <laughs> he was a painter, and if he was a bad painter. But Bronger always did such a good impersonation of it. Like, see, it's a little farmhouse, and the little sheep, the sheep, they're in the field. Look at a little, little fence here. There's a little fence. There's an art critic, and you know he's Jewish. <laughs> like, that's what started it. That's what set him off. <clears throat> I wonder who's got Hitler's paintings. Hmm. Well, George Bush is starting to paint. Somebody was saying, like, it's, well, we really should have just done this instead. Yeah. Well, definitely, yeah. You should always create art rather than exterminate an entire race. Yeah, I mean, try and filter your anger through more productive means. Uh Uh-huh. That's pretty... I think all maybe all politicians should be forced to take art classes before they really think they know what's best for the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> before you think you know what's good for your content for your people, your voting public, I want you to take three art classes. I want you to channel whatever anger you have about the world into something creative that is only for you and then come back and make decisions. It's <clears throat> a great point. That'd be great if Congress and everybody just had to start each day with an hour of meditation. Mm-hmm. Or do those, uh, what's that, the artist way, where they just write the pages? Yeah, write your pages. Write your pages, write guys. Your fucking page. Get your anger out there. Clear mm-hmm. your mind and then make decisions. What would Donald Trump's pages read like? Oh, God, his big dumb signature over oh, and over God. again. Oh, God. Right, I think that's a great idea, by the way. I don't even think that's a bad idea. Yeah. They should all be legally required for an hour of no phones, silent meditation. Yeah. And then you can then, okay, make decisions that affect the citizens of America. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to... Uh, corporate retreats. Let's go back to where we left off in the last episode with the cliffhanger. We were talking about Richard Byrd. The uh, famous uh, naval officer who's a he's badass explorer. Into the hole. Yeah, he's- he stumbled upon Agartha, and we we're reading from his journal that your hippie dude published either towards the end of. Uh, I don't know if he, when, when did he publish that? Was it was Bird dead at the time? He, yeah, he published it in uh, the hollow earth he published in 1964 <clears throat> yeah claiming i don't know where he claimed to have gotten the journals the the lost or hidden journals of richard bird but this guy walter sigmeister is the one who published these hidden journals okay. and he himself to catch everybody up was a mystic and involved in alternative health and that's who he was. Yeah, an esoteric writer, author, and mystic, according to Wikipedia. Hey, I'm a mystic. So some real, yeah. Hey, I'm Dave. I'm a mystic. I'm a, I mean all that. I do landscaping, do a little heat and air, and I'm also a mystic. <laughs> I mean, when the time allows it. Uh-huh. I'm here for all your mystic needs. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> They're just... <laughs> I'm your shaman. I mean, I also, I mean, I do, I do catering events. Dude, I'm events. a badass shaman, dude. All right, I was reading from his journal last week. And uh, to catch you up, I'll, I'll reread that very last one that we left off at. 11, uh, 11.45, I'm making a hasty last entry in the flight log. Several men are approaching on foot toward our aircraft. They are tall with blonde hair 
In the distance is a large, shimmering city pulsating with rainbow hues of color. Rainbow. I do not know what is going to happen now, but I see no signs of weapons on those approaching. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply. That's where we left off last week. Now he's landed in the valley. <clears throat> that's the uh, that that was the end of his actual verbatim um, entries into his journal. He says, "Now from this point, I write all the following events here from memory. It defies the imagination; would seem all but madness if it had not happened." Okay, I'll get into a little bit of this. The radio man and I are taken from the aircraft, and we are received in a most cordial manner. We were then boarded on a small platform-like conveyance with no wheels. It moves us towards the glowing city with great swiftness. As we approach, the city seems to be made of a crystal material. When did Olaf's documentation come out? That book was written in uh, 1908. The book about Olaf was written in 1908 by uh, Willis George Emerson. <clears throat> and about him seeing this, being taken into this yeah. Russian, this fertile valley and tall blonde men. Which that event apparently happened to Olaf in 1829. And so these accounts came out. But that's, it, this came out this before, before the wars. Mm-hmm. This magical land. Mm-hmm. So it's fictional. There has to be a connection between Walter Sigmeister and Emerson. Yes. Okay. Just putting that putting that out there. Sorry to interrupt. No continue. problem. Going to continue a little bit here. I, I don't know. Let's see if we. I guess I could read some. I don't. I don't want to bore you and just read the whole thing verbatim. But well, you can find. I'll yeah, hit some journals, of the. Yeah. But some of this is. Uh, all right. Soon we arrive at a large building. Uh, this is a type I had never seen before. It appears to be right out of the design board of a Frank Lloyd Wright play, or perhaps more correctly, out of a Buck Rogers setting. We are given some type of warm beverage, which, taste, which tasted no, like nothing I had ever sa- savored before. I'm a good reader. It, um, it's delicious. After about ten minutes, two of our wondrous appearing hosts... <laughs> it was Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, it was a precursor this, to Diet Mountain Dew. This is your Valhalla day. Good to drink warm, warm uh, Diet Mountain Dew. Uh, after about ten minutes, two of our wondrous appearing hosts come to our quarters and announce that I am to accompany them. I have no choice but to comply. I leave my radio man behind. We walk a short distance and enter what seems to be an elevator. We descend downward for some moments. The machine stops. The door lifts silently upward. We then proceed down a long hallway that is lit by rose-colored light that seems to be emanating from the very walls themselves. One of the beings motions for us to stop before a great door opens. Over the door is an inscription that I cannot read. The great door slides noiselessly open, and I am beckoned to enter. What's he, is he writing this the whole time? He's sitting there scribbling notes? He's saying he wrote this stuff from memory. So this is just his memory, as opposed to those earlier entries were literally what he wrote in his journal. This is after the fact. All right, here's where it kind of gets good. One of the hosts speaks. Have no fear, Admiral. You are to have an audience with the master. I step inside. My eyes adjust to the beautiful coloration that seems to be filling the room completely. Then I begin to see my surroundings. What greeted my eyes is the most beautiful sight of my entire existence. It is, in fact, too beautiful and wondrous to describe. It is exquisite and delicate. I do not think there exists a human term that can describe it in any any detail with justice. Oh, that's an easy way out. (laughs) That's just just bad writing. (laughs) 
It's so great. I mean, oh, jeez. <laughs> Just <laughs> Saturday Night Fever his way out of it. How great. Oh, jeez. I mean, wow. <laughs> so now he's meeting with the master. The master's uh, All summoned him. All these people speak English. <laughs> Evidently. That was my biggest problem with any sci-fi <laughs> stuff. Like, oh, there's a creature from outer space. Hey, how's it going? I'm like, what? All right. Although when Olaf ran into his giant dudes yeah. uh, just north of uh, New Joseph Land or whatever the hell that place was, he said they spoke in uh, Sanskrit. Which, How the fuck did he know Sanskrit? I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, not to shit on Olaf. But I, I, pardon me for being surprised at the Swedish fishermen. Is that where Swedish fish come from? Could be. Like, I didn't know fishing was that big of a deal at the candy fish. I just put that together. Anyway, but he, oh, they speak in Sanskrit. I thought Sanskrit was visual. I did, too. I thought it was a, a written this language. This whole thing's falling apart. So, all right, so now the master's talking to, to old Dickie Bird. And this is just, again, not verbatim. He's just recant- he's trying to remember what was said. He says, speaking, this is the master speaking here. Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It was true if Olaf saw him in the early 1800s. True. Maybe it could be a, could be a different city, you know. And also, so he waited till Dick Bird flew over his house to be like, hey, come here, knock it off. Maybe they... Summoned, you know, maybe they sucked his airplane right in. But he was already trying to fly over the North Pole. Yeah, but you know, maybe they knew. I don't. I don't. Speaking of holes, his story's got a few of them. It leaned in too hot on the mic for my. As the master continues, he says, "It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the flugelrods, flugelrads, to your surface world." To investigate what your race had done. That's a Red Bull contest. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral, but I must continue on. So he's saying, after uh, you guys dropped the A-bomb, we sent some of our flugelrads, which uh, basically are just UFOs, up to see what's going on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but race's wars and barbarity. But now we must, for you have learned to tamper with... A certain power that is not for man, namely that of atomic energy. Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you have been chosen to be witness here that our world does exist. Boom. All right. Flugel. That's coming up with that. Flug, it sounds very German. Of course. Flugel, flugel horns. There's flugel horns. Master, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop reading verbatim from here, but Master, uh, later in the story, he mentions that um, in 1945, we sent our flugel rods up to investigate some stuff, and uh, they were met with hostility and were fired upon. And I, when I was reading this the first time, I was thinking, man, Battle of Los Angeles. But that was 1942. That was a topic we covered months ago. But uh, So, yeah, so Dick Bird, he gets in there. He meets with the master. He's telling him what's going on. He's like, hey, you guys got to stop dropping atom bombs on everybody. And, you know, you, you, you're, you're messing stuff up. 
I, I like the connection between this, uh, the, whatever was written in the early 1900s saying the same thing. But it does sound like maybe. I, I'm still thinking that old Walter Sigmeister is maybe coming up with something creative. If you guys want to read this entire thing rather than hear me stumble through it, just Google uh, The Inner Earth, My Secret Diary, Richard Bird. Or just any variation of that. Richard Bird, My Secret Diary. There's several websites that uh, have the entire thing published. Well, I think that given the, given the amount of adventure and exploration Richard Bird had been on, mm-hmm. seems like a matter-of-fact type of guy. Yeah. Why wouldn't he come back with reports of this? Well. Why would it be a secret journal only be published by a guy who tr- who was pals with somebody else named Johnny Love Wisdom? Okay, here we go to answer that question. Where did he find it? According to Richard Byrd, later in life he revealed this information, that he af- after he visited, unintentionally visited Agartha, <clears throat> he then went to Washington and told his commanders in the Navy what had happened. Yeah. And apparently he had a secret meeting with the president at the time. Who was president in 47? Eisenhower? Mm, not sure. No. We're not. Nobody's yeah. listening to this for intelligence. Anyway, he was then, as to be expected, sworn to secrecy. There was some quote I read, don't forget, Admiral Byrd, that you are now a, mil- you are a military man and that you are not to speak of this to anyone. So he went his whole – There's uh, there's a – TV interview from 1954 where he's talking about his expeditions and stuff, and he doesn't mention this, but like when I'm watching it now, because I was studying him up for a couple weeks ago, and we're talking about yeah. flat Earth. But um, you know, he's I, I went back and watched this 1954 TV interview, and just knowing that if this is legit, if this happened to him, here he is on TV talking about a, a different but yet similar related topic. And knowing that he's got this incredible, crazy story in his head and he's got to keep his mouth shut. I mean, whatever it comes down to the government <clears throat> covering up, I'm like, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. With no doubt that the government's like, nope, zip it. Yeah. Well, I, I think we leave this one to mystery. I'm more curious about Richard Byrd and these other characters involved with the story than the story itself. i got to read up on... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I don't like the Sigmeister dude. I'm going to read this book. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, I'm gonna read I'm a, this book. I'm gonna read this book, dude. Uh, Smoky God by William George Emerson. That's uh, he's the that's the book about oh, Olaf back in 1829. So I'm gonna read that and uh, got to read more about Richard Byrd, man. Right. It's got some follow up. As is, you know, I know it's kind of the whole thing, but man, just, if this is legit, this is insane. You okay? Oh boy, oh. that one affected your. You crunched your face on that one. Uh, yeah, I just um, disgusted myself. I mean, of course, this sounds ridiculous and total sci-fi. But when you've got scientists and mathematicians and Navy admirals you all can saying... fly over the North Pole now. Yeah. Commercial flights fly over the North Pole now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that maybe that they didn't, but you, you said they did Yeah, didn't. now they do. Uh-huh. <clears throat> it was just a matter of routes. There was no routes. Not like a military, you can't fly over. Uh-huh. My, my, the earth is round, mm-hmm. by the way. <laughs> but no, this is, this is crazy, man. Uh, my point is, unlike some of the stuff that we talk about, like 
you've got a laundry list list of seemingly credible dudes, credible, intelligent people saying, yeah, the Earth's hollow, yeah, Agarth is real, yeah, I met some crazy 12-foot-tall blonde giants. That could Deal with it. just be people from further north. of. That could just be Finnish people. Mm-hmm. Not 12 feet tall, though. I can't tell you what 12 feet is. I see somebody that's 7 feet tall. That guy's two stories high. I can tell. I'm a little guy. Yeah. Everything's tall. I compare. I always compare height to a basketball goal. Basketball goal's 10 feet. Yeah, but I don't know where the fuck a basketball goal is. Mm-hmm. I'm not staring at basketball goals. Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> we've explored it. Yeah. I hope it's there. I mean, that would be nice. They'd be showing up and going, hey, calm down. Um, there's wow. more stuff that I don't have time to get to. There's this one dude, uh, Clough was his name, and he's still around. Clough. Somebody Clough. Clough was his last name. Uh, he he got really deep into this, and he moved his family to uh, Alaska so he could be closer to it. And he set out. He tried to go up there and check it out. And apparently, the first time he tried, uh, him and a bunch of folks, they, they loaded up some gear and then they got into their van or something. They they drove about a mile. Then they ran into a ran into a sign that said this road is closed. No one's allowed to go past here. And he just turned around and went home. Clough uh, oh, sounds dedicated. But then a couple years later, he hooked up with some dude in Russia who was a millionaire, and they were gonna. This dude was gonna finance their mission. They were they were gonna go do this crazy mission, and they were even selling. Uh, they were gonna board a submarine, and they were selling. Uh, seats on the submarine. People can come with us for twenty six thousand dollars a pop. And then Who's the, got a rental submarine. <laughs> <laughs> a millionaire can get access Fucking to it. Hertz is over there like this. We shouldn't have bought this. Don't get nope. the insurance. Nobody's even getting the convertible Mustang we got on display. <laughs> Nobody's taking the submarine. But there's a there's a, this goes so much deeper. I mean. Literally, this could be like a lot of these topics. This could be a six-part episode if we had the time. Six-parter, baby. We're not going to do that to you, but uh, yeah. But anyway, the Clough dude hooked up with a millionaire, and they were going to charter a submarine, and then uh, the main guy died of cancer before they could do it. So the but, rich guy, yeah. So I think we should try, man. I want to go see what's. I want to go. I do. I want to go to Agartha. If you fly, somebody, uh, well, I think I was reading something like, you know, little maps on the headrests on a f- commercial flight. Uh-huh. <clears throat> We're saying, just, just an interesting tidbit of them flying. I don't know if they're coming from India to New York. It's one of the it's one of the routes that would go over the North Pole when you get, like, the little plane following the line. Uh-huh. Also, just flipping back and forth because Magnetic North is not, Magnetic North is closer to Greenland. It's not the actual North Pole. Mm-hmm. But they were flying by and it just was flipping the plane around, like, the, the image of the plane because it couldn't tell. Couldn't figure out what's north. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a fun thing to be on a plane. <laughs> and then just navigating that, like navigating uh, something, especially those days when your compasses go haywire. It's another reason that maybe they weren't even there. Maybe they just got lost going over the North Pole, gave the old switch around. Turns out they were flying over, uh, 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 I don't know, fucking Dade County. <laughs> <laughs> One last tidbit about old Olaf Jansen. Uh, his, on their way back, they spent two years hanging out with these tall blonde dudes in Agartha. Yeah. And then when they left, uh, they two ventured. Two years hanging out with these tall blonde dudes yeah. on Rainbow Island. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on their journey back, unfortunately, uh, Pops died. He got stuck. He got stranded on an iceberg and died. 
And then when Olaf made it back to his home in uh, Stockholm, uh, he was promptly thrown in jail for being crazy and spent 28 years um, confined. Well, well, okay, hold on. Yeah. Why? Because of telling people what he yeah. saw? Uh-huh. They're like, "What? Are you, you're insane. Go in here and chill out for 28 years. Yeah. How, it's illegal to be crazy? Like, how crazy did he go? I don't know. I don't know. He probably killed his fucking dad <laughs> and hit out for two years thinking it would blow over. And he came back. No. Uh, no, he got stuck on an iceberg after we uh, hung out on Rainbow Island. Yeah, fuck you. You're going to jail. That's it. That's, that's the end of the story. Somebody coming up with a bullshit story. <laughs> you were out sleeping with Cheryl Anakin. No, there was a disc in the sky that there was a light. Then they, oh, they probed my butt. This is her vibrator. What? Oh, I can't believe they got that. And they're sitting there framing me. Oh, God. <laughs> It's like the where the aliens abduct Homer and they spray him down with rum. Like, now nobody will believe you. Yeah. Like genius. Yeah, not tell everybody you saw aliens, booze bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. What day is it? April 25th. All right. <laughs> where are you at? You want to plug? Yeah. yeah, I'll plug some dates. I don't know. Uh, where are you going to be on this date in history? Got a big tour coming up. I'll be I'll be on the road for about a month, man. Dave and his big dick tour. So <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, where are you going? St. Louis, May third. Chicago, May fourth. Uh, hopefully by this time I got a care of Dave in Chicago. People might have a Milwaukee date lined up. Cincinnati, May seventh. Chattanooga, May ninth. It just goes on and on. You're out for the whole month, huh? I'm out for the whole month, man. Yet we're still putting out podcasts. How is that possible? Crazy. All right. Well, this weekend coming up, when this comes out the 24th, in two weeks, I'll be... 25th. In two weeks, I'll be at Bridgetown. Oh, you're doing that. It's the final one. Bridgetown. Did we do that together a few years ago? Were you at that one? A few back. And yeah, you were, you were on your diet. You yeah. Were yeah. You weren't eating anything. You were yeah, smelling everybody's food. Miserable. Yeah, what a horrible place. You want to go to a comedy festival with a bunch of free donuts and free beer? Yeah, a place with magical food and, and drink. It's miserable. Yeah, I remember that. You were. Um, yeah, I'll be at Bridgetown, even though I was just at Helium in Portland. Come on out to Bridgetown. I'm doing some fun storytelling shows and hanging out. Because it's the best festival there is, so I wanted to go. It's the last year, yeah. I think. I don't know if they announced that, but we just did. Oh. All right. Oops. Well, good one, Dave. I thought that was common Maybe knowledge. Maybe it's a conspiracy. Mm. Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Comic of the week. Oh, yeah. Chris Garcia. Our good buddy, Chris Garcia. I love that guy. Los Angeles-based comic. Mm-hmm. He's got an album out called Garcia. Mm-hmm. Put that out about a, about a year ago. Yeah. And uh, just, we were talking about him earlier. Just uh, not only a funny dude, but just a delight. Yeah, I'm happy when Chris is around. Delightful dude. Good good energy. Usually that is, uh, I'll reveal some inside baseball. Amongst Mm -hmm. comics, when someone says, you know, like uh, Kyle Kinane, what do you think of Kyle Kinane? If someone thinks you're not funny, they go, he's a nice guy. Nice guy is code for he's not funny. Yeah. Yeah. But not the case with old Chris Garcia. Very funny, but also 
a nice guy. Like a Chris Fairbanks type where you're like, yeah. oh, I'm so glad that guy's here. Like, I'm happy to see that guy. And then you watch him on stage, you're like, oh, shit, this is a great show. Oh, yeah. And I think Chris has got, uh, I don't know if we can talk about this yet, but there, he may or may not have a TV show. Yeah, so. I thought something was going on. Yeah, I think they made that public. He, uh, you might see him. They might see him on the screen. Yeah. Uh, Fox, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, hopefully Some of, so. Yeah, kind of based, loosely based on his life, uh, being a, a Cuban of, of Cuban descent, his parents were, I believe, uh, they, they yeah, immigrated here. Cuba. Yeah, so good dude, Chris Garcia. Uh, check him out. Uh, the album is called Garcia, and uh, he's he's got some other stuff on the YouTube's. He's done uh, done some late night stuff here and there. Yeah, he's and, been out and about. Yeah. he's been at it for a while. So check out uh, our good buddy Chris with a C, Garcia with a G, Chris Garcia. It's <laughs> <laughs> our comic of the week. All right, all right, buddy. I'll see you next week. Yeah. I'm, I'm going I'm to go eat a steak for you. Not, uh, I'm excited. For not that. for my fat self, but I'm for ex- you. I'm excited for I'm eating this for Kyle. Was that you with a full I'm mouth? I'm eating this steak for Kyle. Was that you eating mm. with a full mouth? Full mouth, yeah. That wasn't some yeah. sort of sling blade <laughs> type thing? <laughs> no, I, we'll save that for next week. All right. <laughs> the Boogie Monster. The Boogie Monster.